Talk to my friend Drew Lennon. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I look this guy for wisdom. in the history of American politics in 2020, and Joe Biden is the biggest con man in American politics. I know that says a lot because there have been a lot of con men in politics by virtue of amoral men seeking the highest office in the land. You can go back to Bill Clinton, who ran a con operation, pretending to be some moderate, campaigning as a moderate, only to shock, somehow, the American people when he actually got into office and was a radical. But Joe Biden has, has outdone, outdone the likes of Barack Obama and the likes of Bill Clinton and any other con man in the Democratic Party in our history. Mark my words. You know, as we approach the new year here, here we are sandwiched between Christmas and the new year. I want to look back because it's relevant today to what's happening. This isn't some, well, it's not nostalgia, certainly, because it's a horror that we've gone through. But this isn't necessarily even a retrospective because we're still experiencing this con job, which is COVID-19 at present. And it won't end until enough American people wake up and say the jig is up. The con is over. But let's go back to 2019. I know that we tend to have short memories because the media has a short memory span. And so often we forget the actual facts, truth, and history that took place. Because we're bombarded with new stories, new alternate realities that aren't even grounded in truth by this propagandist media day in and day out. We just sit here and we are, we are drowning in the lies of this dark age that is being promoted by the mainstream drive-by media, which is not mainstream, it's a radical left propagandist outfit. But in 2019, remember this, Trump's prospects of winning re-election in 2020, do you remember what they were in 2019? They were all but guaranteed. Do not doubt me on that. Democrats had no expectation of actually winning the 2020 presidential campaign back in 2019. I'll give you, I'll give you some, 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 some pull quotes here, some headlines to jog our memory of what was actually taking place throughout 2019. There was a Politico headline back on April 28th, 2019. Here's the headline. Dems sweat Trump's economy. We don't really have a robust national message right now. How could they have a robust national message? Trump's economy had gone gangbusters. And I'll get into some of those things that we need to remember as well before the pandemic hit and we committed this great national suicide in the name of health and public safety. But the the booming economy aside for just a moment, remember Trump had triumphed over the every single Democratic Party hoax that was aimed at doing what? Overturning the 2016 election results, subverting the will of the American people. Remember this, as much as they whine and complain and try and make... Something out of nothing that was the January 6th faux insurrection. It was the Democrat Party who was always attempting to subvert the will of the people. They are the ones who were attacking democracy when Hillary Clinton, for example, rejected the 2016 election results. When they fabricated that phony steel dossier that had not an ounce of truth in it to accuse Donald Trump of stealing the 2016 election. Never forget that. It's the Democrats who claimed that Trump stole the election in 2016. But Trump stood tall and firm and strong. He beat those hoaxes. The Trump-Russia collusion hoax. We spent $32 million and over two years to investigate Trump, only to learn from the Mueller report, what? There was no Trump-Russia collusion. And yet, Democrats today still believe 
that somehow, despite the evidence, despite the fake dossier, that, yeah, well, we, we just didn't find it exactly, but there's enough evidence there that Trump probably still colluded with the Russians to steal 2016. That's how dark these ages are of ignorance, of an abandon of intellect, of truth, of honesty, out the window with the Democrats. But he not only defeated the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, and that went down in flames, the quid pro quo impeachment, the quid pro quo that never was. Yeah, he was, uh, he was uh, impeached, but he was acquitted. And this is something that Democrats expect their idiotic, stupid, I'm sorry to say, voter base not understanding. Impeachment is just bringing articles and accusing. That, that happens in the House of Representatives. Then those articles are submitted to the Senate, and the Senate holds the trial, if you will. And in that trial, what did we determine? Donald Trump didn't do anything. No quid pro quo, no obstruction of justice, nothing. He was an innocent man. It's like the way the Democrats would still maintain, for example, Cal Rittenhouse. They lied. Most Democrats still believe that Cal Rittenhouse shot and killed three black men in Wisconsin, in Kenosha. That didn't happen. Two people did die. It was self-defense. The other one survived. It was three white people. We had a trial for Kyle Rittenhouse. He was found not guilty on all counts. But Democrats will still maintain, well, Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty. This is the sick world, perverted world we live in, where we cannot have justice so long as people refuse to accept the truth and reality. But back to 2019 and Trump's overwhelming odds of winning re-election. Dim sweat Trump's economy. We, really, we don't really have a robust national message right now. They didn't have a robust national message. Because why? The gangbusters Trump economy. Remember this, in 2019, this is Trump's economy. The poverty rate hit an all-time record low. More Americans were employed than ever before. And the unemployment rate fell to a 50-year low. Seven million new jobs had been created. Middle-class family incomes had risen more than five times. More than five times. That achieved over the previous eight years in the Obama disaster of an economy. And so going into 2020, the Democrats, what did they do? They had thrown everything plus plus the kitchen sink at Donald Trump, and they were left empty-handed, desperate for something. Trump had survived all their their made-up hoaxes and attacks. He was still president of the United States, despite their efforts to remove him forcibly from office. And even as late as November 2020, the Democrats, this is another headline from Politico, not a headline, this is from the body, a poll quote, if you will, Democrats were increasingly worried that their large and divided presidential field didn't have what it took to beat President Donald Trump in 2020. They knew they had nothing. And then bingo, what happens? COVID, the pandemic. They were so desperate for something to campaign on. Now, they didn't find a robust national campaign message to campaign on, did they? They weren't for anything. They were just against the evil orange Donald Trump. Adolf Hitler himself, a Nazi, a misogynistic, bigot. And those are the same things we heard somehow as they're related to his handling of the pandemic. So they found a robust message to campaign against, and they used COVID to do it. And that, that is where the con job begins. That is where our con man, President Biden, began his con. Let's go back to the first presidential debate. You know what I'm going to do, actually? I'm going to play a couple of clips here, a couple of clips of Joe Biden to jog your memory of what he said in the presidential debate to get us to my purpose and my point about this con that took place. Here we go. The president has no plan. He hasn't laid out anything. He knew all the way back in February how serious this crisis was. He knew it was a deadly disease. Okay, that's enough. That, I think, was the first presidential debate, as a matter of fact, in which you just heard him. Donald Trump has no plan. And that was such a lie. I cannot believe how the Democrats got away with this. I mean, I can because they depend on a cult-like following of their base that only listens to what they say and doesn't 
look at the facts on the ground, doesn't study reality, doesn't remember history. They simply supplant what they hear from the communist propaganda media at CNN, MSNBC, and the rest, and stick that in their brains instead of exercising their own penchant for rational thought. But there he is. Donald Trump has no plan. No plan. And yet he had already undertaken Operation Warp Speed, which gave Biden later the vaccines that he is demanding that all of us take. And yet, remember, let's stick with this for just a minute because this is important to point out. All right? So Biden threw shade at Operation Warp Speed. That was Trump's effort to get the vaccines produced in record time. Everyone understands that. And in September of 2020, Biden, he questioned the safety of the vaccines. He suggested that their timing and their approval, you know, the warp speed part of it, was distorted by political considerations. And yet, what does Biden do today? He attacks and condemns the unvaccinated Americans who raised these same concerns, concerns that Biden himself raised before he was president of the United States. Well, Americans are concerned about the vaccines I mean, we can't get the studies for 75 years. We'll all be dead before we get to the bottom of it all. Side effects, all the rest. I mean, we're still pushing vaccines, even though we're told with Omicron, they're completely ineffective. Completely ineffective. And they were ineffective before because they didn't do what they were reported to to do. Before I get back to Biden, I want to play this for you, too, because we're witnessing the rewriting of history in real time. This is Rachel Maddow, by the way. Well, after, the, after Biden was in office and we had the vaccines, I want you to hear Rachel Maddow. This is what she said about the vaccines. It means that instead of the vaccine being able, excuse me, it means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them. And the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it. And then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were right. Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug resistant along the way. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then so there's use more that of person the to go anywhere else. The vaccinated can't get the virus. The virus stops if you're vaccinated. The vaccinated person cannot be a host for COVID. Where are we now? Can anyone make that claim today? Of course not. We know that's not true, but that's part of the con. Everything we've been told has been a lie. And it is time Americans simply ask questions. Look at facts. Stop listening to the media. If you want the pandemic to end, just turn off the news. Stop listening to these these shills for Pfizer and for Big Pharma. Stop listening to these politicians who have no intention of protecting people, but every intention of fundamentally transforming our way of life in America. That's part of the con, too. First, it was a con to get Biden elected into office. And then it became a con to get Americans to give up their liberty, their unalienable rights in perpetuity. And that's what we're witnessing today. I've got some stories, too, about what New York City looks like today. And it looks like Australia. And what were we called when we said vaccine passports are coming? Soon people won't be admitted into restaurants. They won't be able to participate in society if they're not vaccinated. And then once that happens, the booster shot will be required. That'll be the new uh, definition of fully vaccinated. And so and so and so on and on and on it goes. It's never ending. We were called conspiracy theorists. You look at Australia, these police officers brutalizing, being used by politicians like the Gestapo, like the stormtroopers in Nazi Germany to do the bidding of the government, not to protect the citizens, but to imprison the citizens. That could never happen in America. That could never happen here, we were told. You're a right-wing nutjob. You're a right-wing conspiracy theorist. Oh, you think they're going to build camps for these people and force them to quarantine there? That would never happen. And it happened in Australia. It's happening now. And it's coming to America, too. Oh, you're a right-wing nutjob. Well, you know, we were all right-wing nutjobs when in March of 2020, I said 15 days to slow the spread. Uh, This is a bad idea. Because once we give them our liberty, once we open up that door to them, they're going to break it down and lock us in. 
And that's, of course, what happened. People acted like, oh, you know, we're just giving up our liberty, liberty for a while. We're giving up our jobs for a while. It's for the, the, the greater good, don't you know? It's just a temporary loan. We didn't give them a lawnmower, my friends. We didn't give them some lawnmower to use and keep if they wanted or give it back, and it wasn't a big deal. We gave them life itself. We gave them our liberty, our freedom, our way of life, our constitutional rights. So there you have Rachel Maddow, all right? That's what she claimed. That's what everyone said. This vaccine, yeah, you get it. You can't even be a host for the virus. And that's baloney. That's out the window. And we're still pushing and hawking these vaccines like they're the best thing ever invented. Like they're the end-all solution to end the pandemic. And we know that's not true. The pandemic will never end because it's mental. The pandemic is in people's minds. Walking around in their face masks, which do nothing. Oh, Fauci. No, no, face masks don't do anything. And he was right because we didn't use them for the flu, for example, and aerosol spread, you know, virus, the same thing, a respiratory disease. Suddenly, wear a mask. The masks aren't showing to work, so wear two or three masks, maybe 17 masks. That's going to solve the problem, right? It was all baloney. OSHA with the masks. For over a decade, their official position was, uh, these masks don't work. We don't even recommend you wear them with asbestos. Because the particles simply just go through the material and you breathe it in. It's literally a facial decoration. But then all of a sudden with COVID, which is a smaller particle size, the virus is, than even asbestos, oh, mask up, mask work. Masks have always been about fear, submission. Joe Rogan, I don't even, you know, his show's too long for me to watch and I got my own podcast. So I don't have time to listen three hours to Joe Rogan when he puts out one. But I do see the clips and he makes a lot of, Great points. More importantly, as an interviewer, he gets others to also make important points. But he recently stated that the mask is the equivalent of the MAGA hat for the left. And that's true. Their symbol of prideful obedience and subservience to government. Their willingness, willingness to give up their rights to the government. Their willingness to shred and destroy and burn the Constitution and our contract with, the, with, with our government that says we the people are the master and those in government are the servant. That's what the maskers are. That's what the maskers are. But anyway, let's get back to Biden. So he accuses Trump of having no plan. And I want to make a couple points because Trump did have a plan. He had Operation Warp Speed for one. That's more than Joe Biden has contributed. And do you remember, remember... Remember when the New York governor, well, then New York Governor Cuomo, he requested a Navy hospital ship to treat COVID patients back in March of 2020? Oh, you know, we're going to have overrun hospitals. Uh, please, you know, Trump, we need extra space. And so what did Trump do? He sent the thousand bed comfort. That was the name of the, the naval ship, hospital ship to New York City. And then a month later, guess what Cuomo said? He said, he told Trump, well, we don't need it anymore. It wasn't needed. Sorry. But Trump gave it to him. And then when Cuomo was whining about a shortage of ventilators, remember the big ventilator fiasco, right? Oh, and ventilators, by the way, were not a solution to begin with. That, that was an absolute scam. Uh, but, you know, whining about a shortage of ventilators. So what did Trump do? He ordered General Motors to make ventilators under the Defense Production Act. Once again, here comes the hero to your rescue. Anything they wanted, Trump did. He made a Herculean effort, many Herculean efforts, to deal with this pandemic and to appease the leftist propagandist media and the Democrats and Fauci. He did it all. He went above and beyond. And remember, he even took hydroxychloroquine to treat his own COVID infection in an effort to promote its use as an effective treatment to save lives. Remember what was said about hydroxychloroquine? Doctors had come out and said, hey, this existing treatment that's been considered safe since World War II uh, we can use it to treat COVID effectively. And what did Democrats and Biden say? Oh, well, they shut them down. The Twitters and the Facebooks, they took those videos touting hydroxychloroquine off the Internet as dangerous misinformation. When Biden took hydro when Trump took hydroxychloroquine, what did Biden say? He said, what in God's name is he doing? That was literally what Biden said about Trump. What? What in God's name is he doing? But Trump recovered. And guess what we have now? Studies that prove what? Hydroxychloroquine combined with zinc increases survival rates by 200%.
But we were told by Biden, hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. Once again, Trump has plans. They don't like them because they work. So this entire campaign was a con job. You know, Biden, uh, remember, in the second presidential debate, I believe it was, Biden went out there and he said that anyone who is responsible for that many deaths, talking about under Trump, should not remain as president of the United States. Well, by Biden's own admission, he should not remain president of the United States because what? More Americans have died under the Biden administration from COVID than under the Trump administration. This despite Biden's inheritance of the Trump vaccines. But I want you to hear uh, Trump, sorry, not Trump. I want you to hear what Biden has to say um, back during the campaign. Uh, I want you to hear a, a, well, let's do a montage, actually. Let's have a fun montage of Biden talking about what he's going to do with the pandemic. Together, not pull us apart. I'll put in place a plan to deal with this pandemic responsibly. I've already done it. I've said it before. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country, but I'm going to shut down the virus. Before. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. What I would say is I'm going to shut down the virus, not the country. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. But of course, Joe Biden has not shut down the virus. Because let's be clear. That was always a false promise, an outright lie from the beginning. That defies science. You can't shut down COVID any more than you can shut down influenza, the flu. We have flu shots that on any given year are maybe 50%, have 50% efficacy. They might reduce symptoms. They might help a few people, but we're focused on treatment, therapeutics, We understand, accept, and acknowledge that the flu exists. Some years are worse than others, and we just have to be prepared to deal with it. Real life, reality. And so the idea that anyone was going to shut down this virus was absolutely asinine. But that's the con. That's the con. Biden, with the use of the propagandist media, convinced tens of millions of Americans, mostly Democrats, but also some Republicans and independents as well, that the virus was continuing to spread because of inaction from Trump, that Trump didn't have a plan. But I just laid out to you all the plans that were in place under Trump. When Trump wanted to provide therapeutics, the Democrat Party, Fauci, these tyrants, they shot them down. They shunned these treatment options. They have blood on their hands and are responsible for more death because they did not allow doctors to prescribe life-saving treatments. It was all about the vaccine from the beginning. I mean, before we had the vaccine, what was Biden's plan? Lock, lock shut down in your house for the rest of your life? That's not a plan. He says, I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm going to shut down the virus. How and how did that work out? He hasn't done it because it can't be done. And yet the Democratic Party, I'm sorry, Democrats are idiotic, idiotic to buy into this. Blaming Trump for every death. And then you have more death under Biden and they're silent. They give him a free pass. They have no morals, no understanding, no reason in their heads. It's just a hate fest, a cult. The Democrat Party is a cult, and they conned everybody, conned everybody with this lie. And now we have, guess what? Biden has waved the white flag of surrender in terms of him shutting down the virus as he promised. A campaign promise, his only campaign promise, really, the only thing he ran on, this con, now he's admitted Well, he can't do it. States have to do it. The federal government can't do it. Biden can't shut down the virus. He's admitted that in a meeting he just had with a bunch of governors throughout the United States of America. It's your responsibility, states. I can't do it. And do you know why he's doing that? He's trying to get rid of blame. 
escape blame for a lie that he told to win election in 2020. Because the facts are there. As much as the mainstream propagandist media will lie, they cannot escape the reality that more have died under Biden than Trump. That he has not shut down the virus. Because they're trying to do two, do two, to do two contradictory things here. They conflict. On the one hand, they want to keep everybody afraid of Omicron. They want to keep the pandemic alive. But they also want to claim that they've stopped the pandemic, ended the pandemic. But they can't admit that. Those two things can't exist together. You can't continue to promulgate fear, require masking mandates, create an environment of fear in which at any moment a Democratic voter in blue states would willfully allow them to shut down the economy again. You can't do that and also defeat the virus. They don't go hand in hand. It's an, impossib- it's an impossibility. And those of us on the right, conservatives, who understood with a bird's eye view what was going on from the 15 days to slow the spread to now, we got it. We got it. We knew it was a con. I called it a con, a scamdemic, whatever you want to say. But the Democrats got conned. The question is, will they ha- have enough humility integrity and virtue or principle to admit that they got conned. Many won't. We're seeing this. I mean, hopefully, hopefully enough of them wake up to this con that they abandon the Democratic Party forever and see them for the liars, the fear mongers, the tyrants that they are. And so what is Biden's plan? Well, the states have to shut down the virus. He can't do it. That's the plan. That's your plan? That's the plan you promised? Leading up to election for eight months? That was your plan? To hand it over to the state suddenly? But, but look, don't, don't be mistaken by this. I say he's waved the white flag of surrender in terms of his ability to do anything. But he's not really waving the right white flag of surrender because if you look at the mandates that are coming down, he's still pushing and fighting for, they've, got, they've lawyered up, They're trying to enforce companies throughout this country with 100-plus employees to require vaccine mandates to work. They're still rooting out the unvaccinated from the ranks of police forces, firefighters, government employees, and contractors. They're still pushing forward with that. And in New York City, there are videos you can look up now. Uh... I don't want to call them protesters because there wasn't much protesting going on. It wasn't violent. These days, the way the left manipulates language, when you say protest, which is what happened on January 6th, protest seems to now mean insurrection. But these individuals who were unvaccinated, a group of them got together and tried to order food at a Burger King. The police showed up in force and did not permit, arrested these unvaccinated individuals from trying to order whatever the Burger King, the equivalent of a Happy Meal is there, arrested them. The Democratic Party has called for defunding the police over and over again. Crime is up in cities, and we're told that they don't have enough resources, for example, to go after petty theft and other crimes. You're on your own. It's like San Francisco. Well, you can steal something as long as it's under $950. We just don't have time to deal with all this this theft. Our resources are strained and drained. Of course, it is a self-inflicted wound that the Democrats, a problem they've created for themselves by firing the unvaccinated, for example, and reducing their forces. And also, an obvious repercussion and the upshot of their hatred towards the police movement, BLM and all this forever, the anti-police movement. And so what's been the upshot of that? Now you've got a bunch of police officers in New York City. The good ones are gone. The ones that remain or have replaced in some capacity, the ones, the good ones that left, well, now they're like the SS. Now they're like the Gestapo. The mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, 
who repeatedly called for defunding the police, who attacked police officers, who supported BLM, who said nothing about the violence towards police officers, who didn't raise a finger, make any statement when innocent police officers were shot dead in their cars in LA and other places throughout the summer of violence in 2020. Well, this guy attacks police officers, and now the police officers are carrying out the bidding of the guy who talks down to them, who hates them. So much for the police force being there to protect the American citizenry. No, no. The police force in a city that is rampant with crime and criminal behavior, that is dangerous, where at any moment you could be uh, uh, um, held up at gunpoint on the street in Times Square, where you could be walking through Times Square and a stray bullet kills you in some drive-by shooting? Well, Bill de Blasio has told the police that I guess their main focus should be arresting the unvaccinated, trying to order a cheeseburger and fries at Burger King. This is where we are. This is where we are. And look, I'm not here to be an alarmist, but you can count on me to be realistic and tell you when it's time to relax and when it's time to not. And it is not time to relax. It is not time to put our guard down. It just isn't. It just isn't. So everyone's showing this clip out there. You may have heard it. You will continue to read about it and see it of Joe Biden. Everyone's celebrating this. Oh, look at Joe Biden now waving the white flag of surrender. He's admitting that he can't stop the virus. Yeah. But he's just saying that to escape blame for himself. But he's not giving up on the tyrannical plans that they have to continue to push forward with the vaccine mandates and steal our liberty. It's getting worse in blue states, not better. And this is what I try and tell my brothers and sisters, because there are many of you out there listening to me who don't live in a blue state. I get it. You went to Florida. Good for you. Good for you. That's great. But we can't all go to Florida. This is the United States of America. And I don't really want to live in an America that has half the country that is conservative and half the country that you can't go to because it's a Democrat hellhole. I want it to be the United States of America, and I want this to be a conservative country that we preserve. I don't want to wave our own white flag of surrender. I just don't see it feasible because it's not fair either. I mean, we have hard decisions to make, and we have to ask how important this country is. Look, can I just give you an analogy here? Just, just imagine the mindset of the people pre-Civil War. Yes, it was a complex issue economically and everything else, but everyone's familiar with the issue of slavery. Do you know that Abraham Lincoln's primary motivation for entering into war with the Confederacy, it wasn't just because he disagreed with slavery. It was because he did not believe that these Confederate states could or should be allowed to secede from the Union because he believed that this country had to remain whole because he could have done the same thing that people are arguing now. Okay, well, let's just let the uh, slave states exist and then we'll just keep our non-slave states and live in harmony. You can't do that. Do you know why you can't do that? Because the mistake you have to, the mistake made in that observation is that tyrants are never content to just claim a state for their own. They want to demolish, to envelop, to eat and destroy everyone. That's what's happening now. Remember, people aren't satisfied to get the vaccine and wear a mask themselves. Democrats and tyrants, people with tyrannical hearts. That would be a great way to live. I, I just spent Christmas, by the way, I was down in Orange County where I used to live, now I live in Northern California, and I didn't wear a mask. The people at a, at a restaurant I, I ate at one afternoon for lunch, uh, the employees were not wearing masks. People wore masks if they wanted to and did not wear them if they didn't want to. And people lived in harmony. That's what we should have been doing throughout the pandemic, by the way. But we have a vaccine, and we know the only use of the vaccine is arguably, possibly therapeutic. It doesn't prevent transmission. It doesn't prevent the vaccinated from getting or giving COVID. It just may lessen symptoms, reduce the chances of hospitalization. That's what we're told. 
So why are so many Democrats, why are so many people demanding everyone else get vaccinated? That's the tyranny I'm talking about, the tyrannical mindset. They're not content. And that's why Abraham Lincoln went to war. He understood they would never stop. This nation will become all thing, all one thing or another, all slave or all free. That's what we have today. We can't be half free and half slave. Because while the free may be content to enjoy their little spheres of freedom in this country, the tyrants will not rest until they consume the free states as well. And that's why we have to get down. That's why we have to put our head down and fight back. But this is the con. And the con's not over. They're continuing to push it forward. But when I get back, I got some other news to get into. This is Drew Allen. I'll be right back. So that's a New Year's favorite for me. That's Dan Fogelberg's same uh, Auld Lang Syne. And it's interesting. You hear the lyrics there. Met her in the grocery store. Uh, you know, I, I love the storytelling aspect of these songs. And if you don't know this about it, I, I, I mean, a lot of my audience is even younger than me. You know, we're a bunch of millennials. But, you know, it's great. So, so Fogelberg there is actually, if you listen to that song on New Year's Eve, and I, you have to, that's one of the greatest New Year's Eve songs of all time. And that's actually, for me, one of the greatest songs of Dan Fogelberg ever. But, you know, he grew up in, uh, in Illinois, I think Peoria, Illinois, perhaps. And the story is, so, so there's a woman, it, w- it was a mystery for years. Nobody knew who the girl was in the song he was singing about. Uh, but the woman he's talking about that he met in the grocery store is a woman named Jill Anderson. Now, he knew her from high school. They were kind of sweethearts from Woodruff High School. I mean, that was back, I, he, that was the class of 1969. So, you know, that I was born in 87, so well before my time. But anyways, they went their separate ways. Um, you know, Fogelberg went out west to start a music career and then, uh, Jill Anderson, she went to Chicago to become a school teacher. But on Christmas Eve of 1975, okay, both of them left their family gatherings in Peoria. They were both home for the holidays for Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. Dan Fogelberg, he goes out to buy, what did he go out to buy? Um, uh, Fogelberg went to buy whipping cream. That's what He went to buy whipping cream. To make Irish coffees. <laughs> so he leaves to buy whipping cream for Irish coffees. And then Jill Anderson leaves her family's home uh, to buy something else. And they both wind up at the same time at this convenience store. Buying in search of these last minute supplies or whatever they needed. And so they met. They saw each other at this grocery store. And that became the storyline for same all old long Syne. And um, the, the, the story goes, and, and it's recounted in this thing, you know, it was this, this was the only store open, so it's obviously serendipitous that they met at this convenience store. But um, I think, so Fogelberg buys his whipping cream, Jill Anderson buys eggnog, I think it was, and they decided to split a six-pack. <laughs> a six-pack of Olympia beer, I believe it was. I don't even know if that's around anymore or available, but um, they drank their beers outside in the parking lot. And I, I don't think they had some grand love story that went on after that. But nonetheless, the lyrics of that song are about this girl and this serendipitous meeting uh, between Jill Anderson and Dan Fogelberg. So anyway, I just think that's interesting. But anyway, the um, the next story I wanted to take you through that I'm sure you've heard about, but you haven't gotten my take on it, and that's why you come to me for my unique take. I uh, am not giving, I, I, I do not give in and succumb to conventional wisdom out here. Um, 
there's a lot more to these stories than meets the eye. And Joe Biden on his own Christmas Eve, and that's why I thought of Dan Fogelberg in that story. Well, Joe Biden got a phone call. Uh, Every single year, I believe it is, it's a tradition, of course, at the White House. Um, NORAD. So every every year, I suppose, and I actually haven't paid attention to this at all, but I got it this year because of the circumstances that I'm going to lay out for you. But, you know, children, families can call in to the White House and the president and first lady will field these phone calls. And Jared Schmeck called in and got through. And he... So it's the NORAD Santa Tracker, all right? Sorry, I was a little discombobulated there. Bear with me here. So it's the NORAD Santa Tracker, and it was on Christmas Eve. And so Jared Schmeck calls in. He, he wasn't aware the call was going to be live streamed, he said, later. But he called in Friday night. Uh, he called in from his son's bedroom, and he lives out in Oregon. And he was told by whoever picked up the phone that I guess First Lady Jill Biden was going to be taking the calls. He thought it was going to be automated, he said, and they waited on hold, they answered, and he said, wow, this is real. And so they had this conversation. Uh, they talk about what the children want for Christmas. And uh, Jared Smeck, Schmeck is like you and me. He's a conservative. And I want to play part of that phone call for you that has the left outraged. And we're going to dig into this because there's a lot more beneath the surface to unpack in the aftermath of what happened here. But here's the phone call. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry Christmas you. and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. <laughs> oh, at the, at the end of that phone call, that phone conversation, Jared Schmeck says, Merry Christmas back to Joe Biden. And he says, let's go, Brandon. And Joe Biden says, let's go, Brandon. I agree. Totally oblivious to the most significant, well-known, famous idioms in the American lexicon today. Everyone in America and many people throughout the world understand that let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon means F. Joe Biden. It's on t-shirts. It's on wrapping paper for Christmas. People are shouting it at football games that are televised nationally in our homes, on our TV screens. And Joe Biden just robotically responds cheerfully. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. He has no idea what Jared Schmeck is talking about. And that is the real story. This guy, Joe Biden, is so out of it, so insulated, so protected, so uninvolved and unaware with anything happening in this country that he does not know that Let's Go Brandon is an idiomatic expression for F. Joe Biden. Think about that. It's like... Donald Trump coming out and being asked, oh, have you heard about, you know, the comparisons of you to Nazi Germany and, and Donald Trump saying, what are you talking about? I've never, I've never heard that in my life. People are comparing me to Hitler? What? The media doesn't like me? I, I'm so confused. I don't understand. But Joe, but Joe Biden is not, I mean, we, we know this, but this is more evidence to our case. This is alarming. This is the guy that we're supposed to believe understands the details, the intricate details of the Build Back Better legislation that they want to pass, for example, backwards and forwards. He's supposed to be the master of all of this data, this information. This is the guy that's supposed to be aware, engaged in the ins and outs of our foreign policy, our diplomatic relations, the economy, to develop plans for combating inflation, for lowering gas prices. 
This is just the final nail in the coffin for Joe Biden, for me, and for many Americans who cannot deny that this guy is not only out of touch, he's in mental decline, cognitively impaired, and he is being handled by handlers in the White House. This is a figurehead president of the United States who was selected to run on the basis that he could be manipulated and used as a stooge for the people behind the curtain. Jared Schmeck, let's go Brandon. And Joe Biden cheerfully says back, let's go Brandon, I agree. So that's the first takeaway from this. But what's the second takeaway? The media immediately identified this caller. This man, Jared Schmeck, has gotten death threats from liberal Democrats, crazed cultists of the Democratic Party, the same ones who believe that Donald Trump is responsible for murdering people with COVID, the same people who believe who believe, for example, that Kyle Rittenhouse killed three black men, the same who believe that Donald Trump stole the 2016 election, the same low IQ, low informed, as Rush Limbaugh would say, the Rio Linda crowd, those in Rio Linda who have no idea what's going on, well, they're sending death threats to Jared Schmeck. Because why? They're apoplectic. How can Jared Schmeck insult the President of the United States, does he have no, no respect and reverence for Joe Biden? No, none of us do. Respect has to be earned. When you defile the office of the presidency, when you frankly steal the Oval Office itself, and when you talk down to the American people, attack us, and put out messages like, hey, Merry Christmas to the vaccinated. Thank you for doing exactly as we say. But to you unvaccinated, we wish you a winter of death and disease and illness. No, I have no respect for this man, nor any, he does not deserve respect. You know, I have in the past, look, the rules have changed. They really have. In the past, you would say, yes, you should revere the office of the presidency. But that is assuming that the person inhabiting the Oval Office is also respectful of his position in America. But this president and his administration have done nothing but incite violence to create division, sow division and hatred, and to divide us further. So he has actually demolished the office of the presidency, and he's worthy of no respect. And Jared Schmeck, of course, spoke for tens of millions of Americans who feel the same way. Let's go Brandon, baby. Let's go Brandon. That's what we all feel. That's all, what we all cheer, even college students at college football games throughout this country. F.U. Biden. Because he says, F you Americans. And we say it right back. Because we don't have monarchs and kings here. We have a declaration of independence. You violate the contract. You take a dump on our rights. You steal our liberty. And guess what happens? King George III was no longer king of the American colonists. We do not have kings. We reject you. You live up to your end of the bargain, and we live up to, er, to ours. You violate it, which they have, and you get F.U. Biden. So that's the first takeaway. The second takeaway, of course, is that this, the media, of course, immediately learned the name, the identity of Jared Schmeck. How could they get this information? The guy makes a phone call into the Biden White House to make his phone call for the NORAD Christmas or whatever on Christmas Eve. So the only people who would know who is his identity are people involved at the executive level, in the White House, in the government. Do you remember, by the way, I want to make an important point here. Do you remember, and by the way, there are still American citizens stranded in Afghanistan. They have not been rescued. They're still there. We don't hear any news and reporting about it. But last time we checked in, months ago, uh, the Taliban was going door-to-door -door searching for Americans to kill and make slaves. We don't know what's happened since then, but we do know that they haven't all been rescued and brought back home. Nor do we know the identities, of course, of the Taliban who have also been brought over here under the circumstances of 
refugees who we've already seen news stories of these exact individuals, these Afghan refugees who have already been caught raping individuals, committing violent offenses. So that's par for the course. But nonetheless, they're Americans stranded in Afghanistan, and we were told, well, we don't know who they are. We don't know where, where they are. It's not a responsibility to find that out. We can't tell you that number. You know, when pressed, the administration was like, well, we got a lot of them. We, we don't really know. We can't even, we can't rescue them. We don't have the capability to go to their homes. If they can get to the airport, we'll get them out. But if they can't make it while the Taliban is looking for them actively to kill them, well, that's on them. So we couldn't get the identities of the Americans who were in Afghanistan, left behind and abandoned by this administration. But in what? An hour or two, we know the exact identity of this caller who said, let's go, Brandon. And believe me, they want to punish this man. They want to destroy this man because you cannot speak this way to the regime. We've got a Kim Jong-un type mentality in the Democratic Party in Washington, D.C., and you do not speak badly against them. The media has to do more to protect them. The media has to do more to, 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 to lie to the American people, to prop them up, to get their, their poll numbers up. You do not question those in power. And isn't that the point of all of this, from COVID to everything else? You don't question authority. Just blindly do what we say. We know that masks don't work, but we say to wear them, so wear them. Keep them on your face. If you take them off your face, you'll be thrown off a plane. Take them off your face, we'll do X, Y, and Z to you. Get the vaccine, or you won't have a job. Get the vaccine, or you can't get a burger and fries at Burger King. If you don't get the booster shot, then you can't do any of those things either. Get the second booster shot, and then you can live your life. This is the tyranny we're experiencing today, which I've said time and time again is far beyond that experienced by the founding fathers. That's reality. Continue to go through the exercise of your brain of contemplating that truth. The tyranny today is worse than it was even when we had a revolution to fight for our freedom in America today. So Jared Schmeck, they reveal his identity. They dox him essentially, right? And the whole world knows who he is. So he can be attacked. His employer can come after him. He can get nasty letters and death threats. But of course, death threats are only a problem when they're aimed at Ilhan Omar or AOC or Democrats. Then it's a threat to democracy. Don't you know? Oh, they get death threats. Well, you know, we on the conservative side are used to death threats. We get them all the time. And so Jared Schmeck is experiencing the same thing because he said, let's go, Brandon. But let's not forget, when it was Trump in office, F.U. Trump, not even an idiom to replace the profanity, that was appropriate. That was celebrated. Robert De Niro, was it the Emmy Awards? It doesn't matter. One of those stupid award celebrations that nobody watches anymore because they're political hacks. They're focused more on making their official Democratic Party propaganda points instead of just accepting the awards for the shallow industry that they live in and make their livings off of. But Robert De Niro stood up there and said, F Donald Trump. And he was applauded. Standing ovation. The media had no problem, whatever. They stood behind De Niro and said, it's about time somebody talks to Trump like that, that little dictator. But now Jared Schmeck, an American citizen, he says, let's go, Brandon, on a phone call, and he's attacked. He's gone too low. This is, this, there's no place for this in our democracy. This is part of the far-right extremist movement here. This is dangerous to democracy. But when it came to Trump, there was nothing off limits, and everything they said was a lie. This is the great scam as well, the big con, that Donald Trump and conservatives are a threat to democracy. When in fact, it is the left in this country who has always had their objective, their aim of overturning democracy. They don't want free and fair elections. But what do they say? They want to push a uh, uh, new election integrity bill, of course. The Voting Rights Act, the new Voting Rights Act of 2021-2022 coming up soon for free and fair elections. Free and fair elections that allow them to cheat in perpetuity. I've talked about it before. I don't need to get into it again. 
But this is what we're up against. And it is a war to save this country. They have their foot on the gas pedal. They're not giving up. They must be defeated at the ballot box time and time again. And we have to educate and inform the American people about who these tyrants are. They are evil. What they want is incompatible with what we want, which is a life of peace and prosperity in the greatest nation in the history of mankind. But we cannot have it because as long as they have any amount of authority or power. Because that is at odds with what they want for us, which is a life of slavery, subservience, looking to the government to tell us what we can and cannot do with our lives, and they can't have that. But those are the real takeaways from the Jared Schmeck. And Jared Schmeck's a hero. More people should have the courage to speak up like he does. I have no problem whatsoever with him telling a president who threatens the American people repeatedly who seeks to divide and destroy, who looks down on us, who talks down to us, who treats us like plebeian slaves of telling him, F you, because that's what this country was all about. That's what it was founded on, rejecting authority, rejecting tyranny, telling the government to go screw off. And that's what's in my blood, and that's what's in your blood, and that's not something to be ashamed of. Do not let the left convince you that that there is something wrong with wanting our freedom and rights. That there is something wrong with fighting and being patriotic. There's not. That's what America was founded on. You who believe that are like the founding fathers. You are an originalist. You are a conservative. There is nothing greater in this world than being a conservative. I mean that. In the history of mankind, our philosophy is the greatest philosophy, the most fair philosophy, the most potent philosophy in the history of mankind. It is the most wonderful thing that has ever happened to mankind on this earth. Conservatism. Independence. Rational thought. Critical thinking responsibility, self-responsibility, taking care of yourself, not buying into this notion that the government has to do something for you that you can't do for yourself, that you're a victim in society. We are not victims, but they want you and me to believe that we are perpetual victims because they want to make us subservient to them, to look to them for our next meal, to look to them for permission. We don't need their permission. This country is great because Americans are independent. We aren't victims. We say We are in charge. The government's here to just create a scenario that is free to protect the borders of this country, but to have a very limited presence in our lives. And the Democrats in this country reject that, and that's on them. But they want to consume us. They want to destroy us. They want to change and exert and push their agenda down our throats, and we've had enough. And that's the movement that's happening now. That's the movement I speak to. That's the one I represent. That's the one I encourage you, each of you, to embrace. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. There's something very wrong with them. And they are antithetical to this country. Their thoughts, their behaviors, their hearts have no place here. We are the purveyors of truth. We are the protectors of this greatest nation in the history of the world. We were born for this moment we're in. This is one of the most exciting periods in American history. Because... There is a movement underway today that is at conflict with what we want and what this nation was founded on. And we have the unique opportunity to fight for this country. And no, I'm not talking about violence right now. I shouldn't even have to say that anymore, but you know how this world is. One wrong word and you're canceled. One wrong word and Drew Allen is done. One wrong word and they're coming for me. I don't care about any of that. You know where I stand and what I say and you... And you can think critically for yourselves. But this is a unique time in history. And we are called to save this nation. We are. It's a calling. Others before us have done it. Now it's our turn. Sure, it would have been great. You know, you know, I mean, I mean you know, my, parent, my parents, my dad, he's older. This isn't his fight per se. But it's our fight. And you can be excited about it. You don't have to be negative and down about it. This is what we were born to do. It's what this nation's all about. 
History's filled with stories of people standing up and doing the right thing, and that's what we're doing here today. I want to tell one more story, though. <clears throat> Pardon me. You know, I was playing that Maddow clip, and one of the themes I wanted to touch on here was, look, you're listening to me now, but I know you think for yourselves. I always say, listen, yeah, yeah, look, I do my research, and I've got an opinion and a point of view, I'm telling you, but you're smart, you can check anything I say, you can look it up yourself. Um, but there's something that happens with these media people. I'm not wired this way, so I don't really understand it, to be honest. But there's something that happens. There's ceremony around watching a television screen, seeing someone's head on a 55-inch screen. It gives them more authority. It gives them more uh, power. But they're just like you and me. If, if you could see, Look, I, I, I know uh, famous people. I do. And I was at 30 Rock one time in New York City. That's where NBC's headquarters are. And I was walking down the hallway with a friend of mine who was working there at the time, also as an anchor. And I poked my head in a studio, and Rachel Maddow was live. And I want to paint this picture for you. She was sitting there behind her desk, looking like a madwoman, just talking. It was the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life, just talking. There was one producer there. It was an empty studio. Someone's in the sound booth, right? Someone's in the sound booth controlling everything. There's someone that's producing the show. But she's sitting there on a stage behind a desk on her own, reading a teleprompter or going on her wild rants. There's nothing significant. She's not more intelligent than anyone else. She's not more important than anyone else. If you saw her sitting there in that large studio alone behind the desk, you would have laughed at what a puny, putrid human being she was. Just like anyone else sitting there at home, singing into their hairbrush. That's the image I want to portray because that's who she is and that's who all these people are. They're not important. They're not smarter than you. Just because they're on a television screen with, you know, a hair team and makeup team and they have an HD camera making their face look like it fills your room, fills the room of your, t- you know, your TV room. They're just human beings, flesh and blood. Do not accept their word as gospel, nor mine. But I just want to tell you that because there's something that happens out there where people turn on their TV screens and they listen to these talking heads, these communist propagandists, and they just nod their heads in agreement like that person is God. They're not God. They're just sitting in an empty room saying crap like you could do at your house on your toilet, but they just happen to have a TV camera on them. So anyway, I'm going to end with that. I couldn't keep away. I said I might not get back until after the new year, but I couldn't resist. I got a new microphone. I was so excited, by the way. I'll end with this. How about this? Not that you care. Maybe you do. But it was so fun. So I've been using a, a, a Yeti Blue microphone until today. It's an entry-level microphone a lot of people have it it's pretty cheap it's it's rel- it's very, actually it's quite inexpensive anyone can attain one and it doesn't require a lot of setup it plugs into your computer and it records sound but i was frustrated with the sound quality i didn't like it i always wanted to become more professional and i wanted to do just this podcast i want to get to a point where this is all i'm doing and so if you want to want to play the game you got to really play the game you got to do the best give people what they're used to hearing and so I got a new microphone. It's called a, an Electro Voice RE20. It's the same microphone that Rush Limbaugh used, and that was a point of interest to me. That's where the comparison, by the way, between me and Rush ends, the microphone. And he had a, a different sound set up, and he sounded amazing, obviously. I mean, like, like the voice of God, speaking of, you know, uh, watching TV screens and these people. But, but you know, you, his voice just had such resonance and everything else. So anyway, I've switched over to a new microphone. I've got a new audio setup that's way more complicated, but I felt like, I mean, Christmas, I was so excited. I, could, I just could not wait. I got the rest of the equipment I needed in today. It was delivered this morning. I set it up as quick as I could, and I couldn't wait to get behind this microphone and test it out. And so hopefully there's added clarity to this. But, uh, you know, I don't get excited like this about many toys, you know. I love my guns. I love my microphone. And I love you. So 
That said, I don't know. I might get back here again soon. Um, it may be a week. We'll, we'll we'll see what's in the cards. I've got some articles to write uh, this week for some different publications and get that out there. But I was just so excited to reconvene with you today. And I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. I do. And I hope you have a wonderful New Year as well. When I get back, I've got to get into some information next episode. If you know, if you've listened to me for a while, if it's your first time, look, you know, each of these episodes relates. I don't forget what I talked about the last time. We always pick up where we left off. And so there are things I talk about that I can't get into in the hour time frame, roughly, that I'm trying to keep it at uh, to, to reestablish all that information. So I want to get into what happened with Zuckerberg, the $500 million he spent to steal the 2020 election. That's very important because it's what they're trying to do again. And so the next episode, there'll be new breaking news I'll have to cover for sure, but that's going to be something I talk about. You don't want to miss that, how they stole the 2020 election. It's real. It did happen, and I'll explain exactly how they did it. God bless you all, and until next time, this is Drew Allen.